Welcome to this new VVV podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. And for anyone who might be interested in the numbers of our latest TikTok video, uh, that actually did really, really well. So uh, um, let me double check the numbers. So... I posted a couple of clips from the podcast with Ahmed on our TikTok account. And the third clip, which I posted, actually went viral. And it was, I think, pretty much exactly one week ago. So, and that was the clip about what's in the bag, which also actually, actually was my favorite. Um, and that clip ended up uh, until now getting 750,000 views, say over 70,000 likes and over 700 comments. And the comment section is really super, super active. Like we have some comments there with like 4,000 likes and like it's a crazy amount of activity there. And the surprising thing is that uh, like, and I don't mean this in a in the, the the way it sounds like, but the audience on TikTok is not as stupid as I thought they might be because the content, generally speaking, on TikTok is like pretty horrendous. And like when you start going through the clips and using the app, I mean, it's, it's literally deteriorating your brain. But there's still a lot of like educational slash motivational entrepreneurial content on there, which leads me to believe that there's some hope right? That there must be some people interested in improving, making money, breaking out of the red race and educating themselves. And that's pretty much what we see. Like, like the amount of envious people or jealous people, like it's actually, they are not as vocal as I thought they would be. And the comments uh, in that video are like really, really positive. Like, and they noticed the watch is wearing, they, they, they figured out how, mu how much the watch costs. And, you know, they're very talking very positively about him. And, of course, there's the odd weirdo commenting something about uh, him being Arabic or whatever. But, like, that's what to be, what's to be expected, right? But overall, I'm, I'm quite happy with the outcome from um, starting to post that. And also the, the overlap from getting that audience over to our YouTube channel and increasing the clicks and views on the full podcast and uh, that has worked quite well without me actively doing anything, just having the links in the right places and people are asking in the comment section about uh, which podcast the clip is from and so on. Uh, that has been yeah, quite, quite refreshing to see. It's good to get new eyeballs on VVV and what we do and to get some appreciation uh, by outsiders of the crypto space for what we do in terms of the educational aspect. So let me just ping the server and then we can get going for real. And then some people might be wondering like, why even bother with TikTok as a platform? And the answer is very simple. We, are, we have transitioned into an attention economy, which means if you cannot grab the attention of people, then you've lost in business as well. So 
we did a, a really good job in attracting attention in the crypto space, but it's a very shallow pool of capable people which you can attract to what you do. And that's not the, it's not, not a balanced, it's not, not, it's not balanced attention which you can get from that audience because it's like very one-sided and like uh, a lot of people have like fairly narrow objectives of why they are in the space and what they want to achieve in life. And I want to get more balance in like what the audience wa wants, right? Because getting the audience, which is now following VVV and curating them was a really, really long and, and, and tedious process. Like curating the caliber of people which you have in VVV that's not something which is easy to do and not something which is easy to, to replicate. But I think we more or less have, at least to a certain extent, exhausted what I want to get out of the crypto space in terms of the audience. I think at this point, it's more valuable to us to get attention from the real world, not just from the crypto guys and get some appreciation, especially for the educational part of VVV. And that in turn, meaning the numbers on YouTube subscriptions, the views and likes and exposure, which you can get on TikTok with the push of a button and um, the overall prestige of VVV in the real world, that's going to increase drastically once you can accumulate the right numbers, right? And then once you have the numbers in place, like once you go past 30K subscribers on, on YouTube, once you get past 100K uh, followers on TikTok, that's when you at least slowly get into the spheres of getting recognized as an influencer. And getting that influencer status as a brand or as an individual, that's what's getting you in some of the and these are not the more interesting deals for me, but maybe for some of you. And that's what's getting you into some of the more interesting deals in terms of quick money. And you would not believe the kind of offers influencers in general get. Like they literally get backed by the projects for them to uh, put an allocation in. And they get better terms, everything. Like they get, get whatever they want because people are desperate for attention and evoking attention yourself is quite difficult. Like if you try to create your own channel and try to post your own videos, you know, it's not going to take you long to run out of topics to talk about or to even be interesting in the first place to talk about anything of, of substance or of sub, something, something of substance for other people because it can be very subjective. So getting into that influencer status, that's something which is highly, highly valued pretty much by any project out there. Like it doesn't really matter if it's just a, a Web3 gaming project or some uh, degenerate NFT collection. It's even the highly established projects. They still prefer someone to invest in them who has some reach on some of the social media platforms like TikTok or YouTube. And especially, uh, excuse me, especially YouTube is one of the the avenues where people put a lot of value on having subscribers there. So that's something which we're going to build up alongside our 
lot of effort in the next couple of weeks and months. And I think we can get to 30,000 subscribers in like three to six months and past uh, maybe a million on TikTok also in the same amount of time. Uh, unless we get cancelled, of course, which I'm going to be very careful and diplomatic about uh, that not happening. But it's always a possibility, and that's also why this is not like the backbone of what we do, but an additional benefit because we already have a content machine which is working for us for free, which is the, the weekly events which we host our guests for the AMAs, the podcast which we did with Armand, for example. And all of that, again, ties back into educating our community, making sure you guys are equipped with the tools to improve your, your lives, to learn from some of the best and smartest guys in different industries, and to study the universal laws of success, and to make sure that whatever you guys want to achieve, you can achieve, and you're not being held back. And then we always have like one guy in the audience. Yeah, but what about investments? I thought VVV is about investments. Yeah. When was the last time you invested into yourself? That's a really, really important question. And you can't go out there and, and wanting to, to invest in different tokens and participate in different projects. If you don't even take a moment to invest into yourself by watching something which someone who's successful tells you is going to get you far ahead in life or to invest in yourself by, for example, coming to the BBB event, like then you shouldn't even consider investing into any cryptocurrency, into any NFT, because it's not going to, to uh, get you anywhere. Like even if you make the money randomly, you're not going to be better off than before. Like you're going to lose the money anyways, and you're going to be in the exact same position you are in now, except that you now know how it feels to get, random money dropped from the sky and you have no idea how to replicate that and now you're going to be in an even worse spot and you feel worse because working for money has now lost its appeal and you're trying to get randomly lucky again which is not a very healthy thing to chase and which is pretty much the the common tenor which you have in the crypto space as a whole, as a whole. with that being said we had a couple of requests from our audience um, to talk about. And actually, uh, there was one guy which I wanted to get on the stage today. Um, I think it was Mike. So, Mike, if you're listening, uh, feel free to raise your hand. And then we can get started with the topic. And the topic is how to start your own business and how to get your first client. And that's actually a million times easier than most ping people make it out to be. And I will also tell you exactly the steps on how to do, what to do, and um, the mindset which you need to have in place for everything. Yeah, it was Mike. So Mike, if you are around, please feel free to raise your hand. Otherwise, I'm not sure if that's you, Mike R. Um, in the Twitter space right now, if that's you, then feel free to raise your hand. Otherwise, the steps to starting your own business is fairly, fairly easy. So the main thing to keep in mind, uh, let me see here. So before we get started, there was one comment from him. Okay. Yeah. So he's saying, oh, that was from Misha. 
yeah and misha is actually a, a successful business owner himself so and if i remember correctly misha was at the real life event and he's doing e-commerce so i think you are selling um products online if i'm not mistaken and also feel free uh, to comment stage anytime if you want to add something or ask a question um so the main thing about starting your own business is you have to start with something which has huge margins. Because if you start with something which has low margins, that means there's very low room for error. And since you don't know what you do, and since you are expected to make mistakes, you want to make those mistakes on the back of huge margins and not on the back of small margins and huge overheads, which eventually will equal committing suicide if you start something which has huge upfront costs before you can actually launch it. Meaning, if someone comes to me and tells me, hey, I want to get started in e-commerce, I want to sell a product on an online platform, I want to sell an online on a web website, and I'm now looking into contacting suppliers and getting everything in place, then you're already pursuing the wrong thing. Because what you intend to do is going to be logistically challenging it's going to drag a lot of overhead with it and it's going to require you to spend money in order to get started. And the ideal business costs exactly zero dollars to get started. And if you don't know anything and if you have no resources, then what's the best business to start? Well, the best business to start is something which doesn't cost anything, where you can sell something which you have in abundance and which along the way teaches you how to actually do business because business you cannot study just in theory and then expect to be good at business once you get out in the real world like anyone who's studying business in university and they would be challenged to start their own business they wouldn't even know what to do like you study in university to become an employee they don't teach you actual entrepreneurship or uh, how to overcome the initial barriers to starting your own business now, coming back to the point, what do you have in abundance if you don't know what to do and if you have no qualifications yet to start your own business? The thing which you have in abundance is your time. Because even if you have a full-time job, that means you're only working 40 hours per week. Most successful people I know work between 80 and 100 hours per week. So you're still only having a part-time job. All the other time, you still spend doing something else and you still spend wasting the majority of the time either watching TV, playing video games, playing around with yourself or doing something else which, which you shouldn't be doing. So it comes down to being efficient. Just because you have a nine to five job does not mean that you cannot launch your business. It's the exact opposite. You, you're just, you're just, you may be losing 40 hours, uh, let's, let's call it uh, 60 hours per week if you have a long com commute every single day. Maybe you're losing 60 hours per week but you still have 20 hours left. Like that's a lot of time to make things work and to start your own business in the meantime, alongside your nine to five job. So there, there are no excuses for you to not pursue actually breaking out of the red race. If that's what you want to do, if you want to uh, be an employee, all power to you. There's, there's no need, um, uh, you know, for anyone to, to change the, their character of what they are made to be, right? But I also still would implore anyone listening to at least explore the avenue of having your own thing and being self-sufficient. 
it doesn't have to be a business per se. It can also be your career as a freelancer where you are still working for other clients, but you're doing it on your own terms and you have the capabilities to also dictate how much you're charging these guys. With the caveat that if you're bad at selling, you're going to earn less. And with the caveat that now there are no more excuses, you're going to be 100% responsible for your income, which also means you're not subject to someone's random will. You cannot be fired by anyone once you become successful in being uh, self-sufficient and becoming a freelance or having your own business. You're going to end up with an abundance of clients, which then also means you can pick and choose who you work with. And then you can also decline to work with people who you don't like, which uh, going back to the podcast with Ahmed is one of the talking points which he made that he doesn't work with people he doesn't like. And that's something which, you know, it already sounds like something which is interesting, which probably everyone would enjoy, but you have no idea how much more enjoyable your life becomes when you don't have to deal with people you don't like. Not to speak that by being a freelancer or by having your own business and by having your right first business, you're going to be independent. You're going to be location independent, which means you can move anywhere you want on the entire planet. There are no limits, there are no boundaries. You can literally do whatever the hell you want. You can go wherever the hell you want and whenever the hell you please. So it's like the ultimate definition of freedom. So to come back from my rant to the initial point, you want to start your own business. The only thing you have in abundance is time. You have no experience. You don't know what the hell you're doing. So the only thing you can sell is your time. And since initially you don't have any qualifications and you're not an expert in anything or the things which you are, not, which you are an expert in have no application in being able to be sold as a service, that's good because now that means you can do anything. Like you, you're starting on a clean slate. And I would also encourage anyone who has any specific experience in a specific, specific field, for example, like if you come out of healthcare and you have a lot of experience in the medical space, ignore all that experience and start with something completely different. You're going to notice that your brain is going to work without any boundaries and it's going to be much more efficient in the way it solves problems if it doesn't know anything about the space it's approaching. If you start in something which you already have a lot of preconceived notions, then that's only going to hold you back. The entire principle of being an entrepreneur is that you are creative in solving issues, which also means a good entrepreneur can start a business in whichever industry he picks. I can start up an e-commerce agency, but I can also start up a healthcare company. And I did both and I did both successfully. Like yeah, I actually enjoy it more to get into a space where I don't know anything about because now I have limitless thinking and I can think bigger than anyone else in the space because I come in without any of the preconceived notions which I just mentioned. For example, with VVB, when I came into the crypto space about a year ago, I didn't know what an NFT was. I could hardly spell NFT. I didn't know what a smart contract is. Yet, my wallet is the owner of three smart contracts, which a bunch of other people coded for me and which had audited by five different developers to make sure it was free from 
any malicious code or any possible exploits. So there's always ways and solutions for everything. The the most important takeaway before you before we go farther is that you don't have to know anything. Everyone listening to this, anyone who considers potentially pursuing their own career as a freelancer or starting their own business, you can do it. There's nothing holding you back. The only thing holding you back is your misled thoughts and the brainwashing which you've received through the education system, which tells you what's possible and what's not possible. And I'm here to tell you that everything is possible. There are no limitations. If you don't know anything good, because that means we can start on a clean slate. If you think you know any, if you need, if you think you know something, then you better take some distance to that thought because the reality is most likely that you don't know anything. Otherwise you would have already gone out of the, in the real world and executed what you think you know and became a millionaire. So we want, we have time in abundance. We don't know anything, but we want to sell our time and make money in return. Now, the very first step to becoming a good businessman is to become a good salesperson. If you can't sell, then it's going to be quite difficult for you to make any money and to find your first client. So the first two things I highly, highly recommend anyone is to learn how to sell and to learn copywriting. These two skills, and you can also find those uh, exact same principles in the successful people which we study. Most of the successful, most of the successful businessmen, they have a background in set in sales, meaning they knew how to sell before they became entrepreneurs, and that's quite easy, at least in you know the 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 pieces of pieces of theory, they are quite easy to grasp and to understand, and then the rest you can only learn in practice which is a good thing because learning sales doesn't allow you to just stick to books. It's one of the things which you can only learn a fraction of in theory. And then all that's left to do is for you to go out and take action. So for sales, I highly, highly recommend going through Grant Cardone's, um, I don't remember how it's called, but Grant Cardone has a sales course. I think it's like, uh, Grand Cardone University or something like that, which is a, a full uh, a full sales course, a sales course on how to sell and how to properly sell. And he also has the book Sell or Be Sold, which I don't recommend anyone reading because once you start reading, you start procrastinating. So instead of reading, go on Google and find out how the course is called. Start studying the contents of the course and yes the course costs something but that in itself is the first doofus test for you to become resourceful literally any piece of information on this planet you can find for free on the internet like every single piece there is you can find for free even the content which i paid 50 or 60 thousand pounds for from dan pena's uh, seminars you can still find all that material for free online. And then it just comes down to whether or not you want to have someone who holds you accountable and you want to pay for the thing and get the full experience with someone del delivering the, the thing to you in person or with some support alongside it, or if you can do it yourself. And with sales, you don't need anything. You don't need anyone. All you need is the course material, 
So put the stuff in Google, figure out how to download things for free on the internet. And once you have figured that out, you will have the course material on your computer and then you will be able to download the information in your brain to make sense of it and then uh, apply what you learned through the course material in real life. And when you go through those courses, don't just do them once. Literally replace music in your car or what you normally listen to with the course material and make sure that for a couple of weeks you don't listen to anything else but the actual material on how to sell. And that's a very convenient way because you can do it whenever you do something else. When you're washing dishes, when you're driving a car, you can listen and you can learn and then you're going to make it uh, part of your personality and then you will understand much better on how to actually do it. So step one is learn how to sell. And the best resource for that is the sales material by Grant Cardone. Another resource which is good enough if you don't like Grant Cardone as a personality is Jordan Belfort's stuff. That's also decent. Uh, I uh, personally did the Grant Cardone University uh, when I started out, but I also did John uh, John Belfort's courses afterwards, and they are also uh, pretty good, uh, good enough. So, you know, if there's one of the two personalities which you like more, then just pick the guy who, who you like more because that will make learning easier for you. Now, the second most important aspect is copywriting. And I haven't found one single course uh, which actually teaches it in a you know, in, in the best way possible. So for the copywriting, you just might want to jump onto YouTube and just go through like two or three different courses to teach you the basics, to understand the general concept of framing and reframing and so on. And But please don't spend too much time on that because you, again, have to learn how to do that by actually doing it. But Getting the concept in itself, that's quite important. So spend some time, maybe 10 hours total in figuring, figuring, out, figuring out how to do copywriting, how to write a sales letter, how to write a video sales letter, um, just for you to actually get it. And then once you've understood the, pr- the principles of how to do that, then you can apply um, those principles whenever you call a client or a potential client, when you set up a website, when you write an email, like no matter what you do, you will need the copywriting and the sales skills. These are really the two universal skills which you will need no matter what you do. Now, the third step after covering the basics is starting your own business, right? And I never encourage anyone to go out there and pick an industry and pick what you want to do and then go ahead and incorporate a company and set up the business, get an accountant. And and like all of that is a gigantic waste of time. Like, first of all, you have to start making money. Then you can worry about incorporating a company. You have no business founding a business if you're not making money. You should only be concerned in the very first step on getting your first client and getting the first cash. That's the only thing that's interesting. And most countries have a threshold of what you can earn as a freelancer because before you have to do any reporting. 
So you're also not at risk of um, getting into the crosshairs of whatever agency is running your country. They don't care about you making a few bucks randomly somewhere online or somewhere with a client in person until you're actually exceeding certain amounts. And, um, you know, those amounts, they range between, I think, 15K per year to, you know, a couple, uh, maybe higher, five-digit uh, amount, dollar amounts. But it, it's quite a reasonable amount, which, which you're not going to surpass with your first couple of clients. So don't worry about incorporating the business. Don't worry about which country is the best to incorporate. Don't worry about where to have the residency. Don't worry about tax. Just worry about getting your first client and making the first money. Now, which business or which industry should you get started in? What kind of a business should you consider launching? Like I said before, it has to be something which has zero overhead and ideally 90% margins. And the best way to achieve said thing is to sell your time and to sell a service versus selling a product. Selling a product is probably, and I mean, when I say product, I mean a, a physical product. Selling a physical product is probably the worst idea you can ever have because it already means by default and by definition, you are going to have less margin than anyone selling a service. You're going to have more overhead than anyone selling a service. Your logistics are going to be more complicated than selling a service. Nothing about selling a physical product makes any sense unless you're an absolute expert in what you do. And also, if you sell a, a physical product, you're not going to become an absolute sales expert because you're probably going to use online marketing and some different tools. You're not going to use actually talking to clients and actually interacting with real people. You're probably going to do everything online and you're not going to be in the position where you actually have to get good with people, which eventually becomes super, super important once you want to scale up. The easiest money and the biggest margins is selling services. And ideally, you sell services to other businesses, meaning you're not going to look for B2C, but you're also you're actually just looking for B2B clients, meaning you are going to become a person who sells his services to another business. And this can, uh, this can look uh, a couple of different ways. The way in which I started this, I started out doing translations from English to German and from German to English for other businesses who needed content translated for their German or for their English websites. And that was very poorly paid, but that was... Uh, picked by me on person because all I wanted is work. I didn't want to make a significant of money first. I knew that in order for me to eventually start making the money, I had to build up my reputation first. So I didn't care about what type of a job it was. I didn't care about the payment. All I wanted is work. And that's the same thing which I encourage you guys to pursue as well. Don't worry about how much you're going to get paid initially. Don't worry about what type of work it's actually going to be. Just worry about getting a job from someone where you can then actually showcase that you can deliver and that you can do what you say you would do. And if you don't speak any other language than English, then translations are obviously not uh, the, the choice of work you would pick. But this is just to give you some inspiration for what you can do, right? Then another thing which I did early on was, for example, websites and SEO. 
search engine optimization. I also did Facebook marketing. And eventually, after going through all those different phases, I ended up doing Amazon ad campaign management. And only after I went through a couple of different industries, a couple of different avenues on how to provide services, I ended up with something where I found my niche, where I saw the highest demand for my services, where I noticed that I can charge a lot more without people having any objections and that there was quite a bit of demand for that very specific service. And that's what I doubled down on and that's where I eventually ended up um, uh, founding my business for. But you can't, without having any experience, it's impossible for you to tell me today what you want to do in the future and that thing actually being the thing which makes the most money and is the best possible option for you. Like that's just impossible. And it's also impossible for you for you without knowing anything to actually pick the thing which is the most enjoyable for you. And you will also notice once you get the hang of being an entrepreneur, everything is going to be enjoyable for you. Like the work itself doesn't matter so much because it's the enjoyment of dealing with the clients, selling your own services, being confident in what you do, being confident in your capabilities, being convincing and then getting rewarded in, in dollars, that's quite an uh, exciting experience. And coming back again to, um, you don't have to, to know anything, how can I confidently sell someone on my services as a freelancer if I don't have any experience in anything? Well, that's the thing which comes down to being a good salesperson. Even if you don't know what you're going to do, you need to have confidence that you can figure out how to do set task before the client wants before the client wants the work to be delivered. Meaning, if you come to me today and you tell me I need a website, then I'm going to tell you, okay, no problem. I've been doing this for all my life. I can deliver the website in two weeks, and it's going to be the best website you've ever seen. And then I have two weeks time to figure out how to create websites and to figure out how to deliver and create the best possible website the guy has ever seen. And that's where you need to have complete and utter confidence in your ability to learn. And that pressure which you have now created for yourself is also the, the thing which is going to allow you to actually thrive and to learn at a rapid pace. And every single time I've said this to a client, like whenever someone came to me and said, I need my ad campaigns managed for Facebook, I said, no problem, I can do it. And every single time my clients were satisfied and every single time after I started out, after I had you know, some momentum build up, every single time I overcharged, I overpromised, and every single time I overdelivered. And all of my clients, literally every single client I ever had, all of them have been happy. There's not a single client out there who has, any neg any, who has ne anything negative to say about me. And the same goes for all the employees which I ever had. Not one single employee has to say has anything bad to say about me because I always overpaid every single employee I had. I always gave them a lot of leeway in how they want to do their business and how they want to work. Like I, I did everything perfectly on both sides. I always overpromised and I always overdelivered. And that's one of the principles from Grant Cardone. And whether or not you you like his personality, that that's something which is which has proven for myself to be very true as well. And 
again, that requires you to be highly capable in what you set out to do. If you don't have any confidence in your own capabilities, then don't do it. But then you shouldn't even think about becoming an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur means that you have to take risks and that you have to place all the bets on yourself all of the time. And that means, and this might be a moral stretch, right? Because someone might say, okay, you're lying if you say if you say to the guy uh, that you've been doing this all uh, all your life. But if you end up delivering a better service than all of your competitors, then it still was the better choice for him to pick you because there's a bunch of agencies out there who tell the guy the same thing, but they might be worse at selling. So, you know, they, they might underpromise to reduce the expectations of their clients, but they actually don't do anything. Like they hand off the task to a guy on Fiverr and they will deliver a really poor job and leave the client dissatisfied and with a, with a poor product. And then you're standing on the sidelines seeing all of this happening because you didn't have the balls to tell the guy that you can actually do a good job. So in my opinion, if you know that you're capable, if you know that you can deliver a better result, a better product than other people, and if you know for sure that every single step of the way you have the best intentions of the client in mind, then it's your duty to sell the guy the right way for them to hire you. And then I think to that extent, the, uh, the ends justify the means. But again, only if you actually have the intentions to deliver the best possible results. And like I also said before, the first couple of clients, don't worry about the money. Initially, even um, offer those first clients to work for free because you don't have any references to show for. So there's no other option for you than to tell the guy, hey, I have a lot of experience in this play. Excuse me. I have a lot of experience in the space, but I haven't done this for any official clients yet before. So what I can offer you to reassure you that I'm going to do my best possible work is that I will do all the work upfront for free. And only if you are completely and absolutely satisfied, then I'm going to charge you a minuscule dollar amount. And I'm going to ask you to provide some feedback for me so I can use it to approach the next client. And then that's pretty much a no brainer. Even if they have some competition, some bigger agencies would do the same work for a big fee, they might still give you a shot because you're doing it for free. And most people you can easily sell on price. And then once you've done this two or three times, now you have two or three uh, recent clients who speak very positively about you. Now you can take those three um, uh, reviews from your previous clients. And this could be a written, uh, uh, written letter, which you can show to someone in person. This could be uh, reviews on a freelancing platform like Upwork or like Fiverr, for example. And then you use those reviews to approach your, ne your next client. And then to the next client, you tell them, hey, these are my three most recent clients. They all have been happy with what I've been doing. I can do this for you. And I'm going to charge you this. Let me know if that's fine. Obviously, use copywriting to, to make it sound better. I'm just uh, paraphrasing right now. But being able to show testimonials of your previous clients and then also handing the new client the phone number and the email to those th three clients, he's never going to question anything you ever do ever again 
because you've already been so upfront with providing a degree of trust that they will, I did this a bunch of times and no one ever contacted any of those clients. Like they know, I give them the email, the company's, the company's website, the phone number, they see everything is legit. They will not even ask because they're just too lazy. They, they see the credentials you're showing them and then they know, okay, this guy's for real. And then there's no more due diligence. There's nothing. They will give you the keys to the kingdom and then it's for you to deliver. And then again, don't fuck up even once. That's super, super important. Like whatever you do, no matter how much the client is demanding, no, no matter how much the guy is complaining, like always smile, always tell them, sure, no problem, I will get it done. And no matter how much time it costs you, just make sure the guy is happy and you deliver the best possible result. I don't know how many times I had to eat shit and work for, uh, you know, getting paid a hundred dollars and I spent like two weeks on getting the, the fucking job done. Right. But I, I didn't have any standards initially. I just wanted to get work done and I just wanted to get the guy to tell me uh, something positively about my work afterwards. And, and that's really the mindset which you need to have. Like don't expect to make any money in the first three to six months. And also remember, you still have your alleged full-time job in the meantime, right? So you still have a source of income somewhere. And even if you don't, then just do more work, get more clients. And even if, if you get paid two euros, per, uh, two euros per hour, like if you work 100 hours per week, you know, it's still going to be a thousand bucks almost in a month, which, which you're going to have to live on. So, you know, the, the payment really is a, a secondary measure. It's, it's mainly about getting the workload, getting the clients and getting the experience. And through your time and through the money, you're not charging, you're more or less paying to, for the privilege to get that experience. And it's quite an important mindset to have because I, I, I took on a, a bunch of clients who even after I became successful as a freelancer and even after I incorporated my company, I still sometimes took on clients where I was still working more or less for free because I saw that the client had potential. And I also saw that making this guy successful is going to be a really good testimonial for me to then reuse to get the next clients. And then eventually once you've done this time and time again, the clients are going to come to you all by themselves. Like eventually I didn't have to go out there and, um, and actually, I never advertised my services, but eventually I didn't even have to go out there and approach anyone because all the clients just came to me by word of mouth. And eventually I had two really good clients who were super, super happy. And then they brought me like 10 clients in total. And usually I made like, I mean, between 20 and 100K per client. So, you know, the, the, the client lifetime value, which I had was quite high. And I also, every single time I had a new client, I told them, I'm the most expensive guy you could possibly hire, but I'm also going to deliver the best possible work, which no one ever else is going to be able to compete with. So if you want to have the best guy, to always have your best interest in mind, to do the very best job for you, who you can trust with millions and millions in ad spend, and you know for sure that I'm going to spend the money like it was my own money, and I'm not going to waste any of your uh your your precious dollars then i'm the guy you need to hire and every single time i came in after a different agency they had hired before me after i cleaned up 
I literally saved these guys hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands of dollars per year in ad spend because the agencies have no motivation to do anything good for the client and they just set everything up with the least amount of effort possible. And then it, does, it didn't matter if the guy uh, paid me way too much because I'm, I saved them exponentially more money than what they, what they could possibly ever pay me. And this way, no matter who hired me, like it always was an investment which paid off uh, big time for them because you, you, le- you really couldn't overpay me because you paid me 100 times too much. Okay, then I delivered you a, a thousand times too much value in return. Like it always was a very imbalanced relationship. I always went out of my way to provide these guys with the highest value even possible. Um, okay, let's see, guys. Let me know if that was more or less uh, structured enough for you to follow me. If there's any questions, drop them in the comments. I'm going to make sure to read through them. I'm sure I, I missed some of the, you know, the small steps, the small actionable steps in between for you guys um, to actually follow through and take action. Uh, maybe let me summarize once again. So. You can freely pick any industry you want to be in. Like It literally doesn't matter. But initially, you can't be picky about the jobs and tasks you want to start with. And where to go for your first client. Ideally, you go somewhere where the demand plays in your favor. Meaning, if you go to your city and you start to go from business to business and you ask, ask uh, the business owner if he wants to have a website, now you're going to have all the demand be stacked against you because now there's almost no demand and you're trying to create demand on your own or just randomly get lucky that someone wants a website. But if you go to a freelancing platform and there's a bunch of those out there, uh, one of my favorite ones is Upwork, but I think they, they, have, uh, they have gated the application process. But any site which is similar to Upwork or to Fiverr, all of these are good starting points because all of these sites have clients actively looking for freelancers, meaning they usually post job offers on there, which then also means it doesn't matter what you picked, what you would like to do, they will tell you what they want. So whatever they want is the thing you do, right? So the first guy wants Facebook ad management. Okay, good. Now you can uh, apply for the job. You can get the job and now you figure out how to do a Facebook ad campaign management. And after you delivered great results for that client, now you know a little bit about Facebook ad management. So now the second client you're looking for is, you know, hopefully going to want the same. And on those platforms, you usually can filter for what these clients are looking for. So all you have to do is filter for um, those exact same things. And now you have your second client and you have a little bit more experience. Now you do the same thing all over again. You double down on how to do it better. You do more courses. You take more action. You get better and better. And you repeat the same thing over 10 clients. And now all of a sudden you're a Facebook ad campaign management, ad campaign management expert. And now you're in a position. You can start your own agency. You can actually outsource because now you, need, uh, now you know what needs to be done. You can tell other people what to do. You can supervise them and so on and so on. So it's really the, the most difficult thing is how to get started and how to get started is 
take action, be confident. No matter what someone wants from you, tell them you're capable to do it and make sure that you can actually deliver on what you set out. So let me read through some of the comments. And again, apologies to the doesn't show them in chronological order. So I'm just going to read through them as they show up here. And maybe a quick comment here, because it's what I see on TikTok um, mentioned all the time. Like dropshipping is a horrendous idea. It, it sounds great in theory. Oh, you you have a, a $10 product, you sell it for $50, and then you make $40 profit. Yeah, but you forget about the money you have to spend on advertising the entire thing for one random guy to buy your product. Like I did this before as well. You have to spend a lot of money on advertising the product and you will quickly notice without the, the volume in place and without knowing anything, you're going to spend much more than the 40 bucks to sell the product. And you might eventually even be in a position where no one will ever buy the product and you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars for, uh, on advertising something no one wants. And then what? Plus you have a gazillion other people competing with you and there's no other differentiator between you and them than how the website looks or how cheap the product is. It's much, much easier to be convincing on a phone call than to be convincing through a website where you have a gazillion websites who look exactly the same. And also there's, there's literally no personal upside for your own development in dropshipping or selling physical products online. Like it's, it's all just playing on the screen. It's not going to get you any farther in life. Okay, so Misha is asking, I'm wondering how do you always know what's the next step, for example, for VVV? How do you know you're not wasting time in your operations? Well, you're always going to have some scrap. So you're always going to waste some time that, that's almost impossible to avoid if you do something for the first time. Or if you had to do, let's take you for example, right? You have your own e-commerce business. If you had to launch your e-commerce business all over again, you could probably do it in half the time and run it much more efficiently because now you know better. And that, that's like some waste of time is just always going to come along with it by not having done it before. Now, I know what to do next because I know exactly where I want to be and my values are very clear. So there's no pondering or evaluating things or not knowing what to do because the, the, the vision has been very clear for over a year now and the values on how to get there are also clear. So there's no uh, thought which actually goes into what to do. Like the, the, the steps have been laid out already by having the vision in itself and not wasting time that's probably just um, going to be avoided to the largest extent by putting priority on speed by holding everyone accountable by holding yourself accountable by leading by example and by not tolerating bullshit by not tolerate, tolerating any clowns and by being um, very straightforward, outspoken, and relentless in what you do.
Okay, Mike, let me know if I have um, answered your question. I, I have seen it now pop up in the comments. Okay, let me see what else we have. Okay, give me a moment. I have to click through different tabs here on Twitter for them to show me all the comments. Mm, okay, that's a good question. So Camaro is asking, I'd like your opinion. Is it more efficient to have your own agency or to work as a freelancer on a platform like Upwork or uh, TopTal, uh, which I haven't heard before? So one doesn't exclude the other, right? So it's super, super beneficial to build up report on Upwork or any other freelancing site because the more rapport you build with that platform, the easier it's going to get for you to get more clients. And then eventually those clients are going to bring you referrals. And then these referrals, you are also allowed to take on as clients outside of the platform. And because these clients came to you as referrals, they also don't require the additional trust a platform like Upwork provides, for example. Because on Upwork, if someone pays you, the money is going to get put into escrow. You don't get the money immediately. So you actually have to deliver first before the client releases the money for you. And once someone refers someone to you, they are fine, usually fine with paying upfront. Or if you want to do it in a different way, you can deliver first. And then because it's a referral, you know, they will probably pay you. And by the way, just a side note, like I never ever had a client not pay me. Like I never had to worry about uh, working up front and then maybe not getting the money. And I've heard the story a, a gazillion times. Like there's a million people working for working and then not getting paid afterwards, even though they allegedly did a good job. And that's just you not being able to pick the right clients. Like it never ever happened to me where someone didn't pay me. Like never. There was once there was a client who, you know, there was some. Uh, different interpretations of the scope and the deliverables and so on. And then they didn't want to pay my employees and they still ended up paying. Like after I laid out the case and, uh, you know, I, um, you know, the good thing is when you do ad campaign management, for example, you always have the numbers where you can make the case. Like the numbers never leave any room for interpretation. So you can always prove that you did the work because everything is measurable. And which is also, you know, on the flip side, if you're not doing the best work, then a website might be the easier thing to, to sell and to convince someone on because it can be quite subjective. You, you can't really measure how, how pretty a website looks, right? But if you're doing ads, keep in mind that everything is measurable all of the time, every single time. So if you know you're doing a good job, then doing ads, that's a super good way because everything is completely measurable all of the time. And there's no one who can ever argue that you didn't do your job if you have the numbers and sales to show for. Um, that being said, I never had a contract with any of my clients. It all always was based on handshakes. I never cared about the formalities or being worried, oh my God, I have to put them on a retainer for 12 months to be sure I have steady income. Like all of that is complete garbage. Like if you are so good in, in what you do, the client will not want to let you go. That's the most important thing to understand. 
all the guys who need to tie the clients to the agency by having contracts and they, they can't cancel the contract for three months, otherwise they have to pay a penalty. All of that just proves that you don't have any faith in you actually delivering the best possible work for the next couple of months. That's why I made it a, a fucking statement to never have a contract with any, any single one of my clients. And I, had, and I have some clients who paid me hundreds of thousands of dollars for me uh, to work for them, right? And some of my clients, they came to me with nothing but an idea and I brought them to a million dollars in revenue in six months or in 12 months. Some of my clients I brought from $1 million to $10 million in revenue. And the reason why I'm not recommending anyone to sell physical products, because the guys who had a million dollar revenue or the guys who had $10 million revenue, I still made more money than the guys who had a gazillion times more revenue than me. Because the revenue doesn't mean anything. It eventually comes down to margins. And if you want to keep growing your business, I mean, it's going to cost you quite a lot of money to uh, keep expanding, keep doubling down. And, you know, it, it's not, it's, to them it was enjoyable because, you know, that's what, where their, their passion lied. But to me, uh, not a big fan of dealing with physical products because I've seen the headache you have on the logistical side. I've seen people lose millions and millions of dollars because of uh, the flu and the borders being shut down, their containers being stuck in China. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the, the, the drama which these guys have been exposed to while I was sitting in Spain at the beach working and doing all of my things online and never being worried about anything. Like, there's literally no upside in selling a physical product. So if you want to play starting your own business on hard mode, cool, go ahead and start uh, with selling physical products. To come back and answer the question, uh, Camaro, uh, one does not exclude the other. You can build up your reputation on a freelancing platform. And ideally, you, you pick one and then double down on that because you know the more rapport you have, built on one single platform, the, the more impact it's going to have. And then just whatever additional clients you get from your existing clients, you just take them on as a, you know, a standalone freelancer or as an agency. And whether or not you position your own freelancing business as an agency, and then it's really only just you a one man show in the beginning, or whether you're presenting yourself as a freelancer, that doesn't matter too much. There are some clients who actually prefer um, not dealing with agencies because agencies actually have quite a bad reputation for a good reason. They, they always just try to automate everything and get, in quotes, passive income from clients, which is ludicrous and eventually always results in producing very poor results for clients. But um, yeah, the freedom is all with you. Like, I would prefer a, a platform initially because if you just set up a website for an agency and then you want to get your first clients, that can be quite challenging because all you can do is uh, cold approaches. And that's not really something which is going to convert very well. It's much easier to have a warm audience on Upwork or any of the other freelancing platforms and, not just, and then just selling them what they already are looking for. So we have someone uh, with a... Speaking request. So ask me if you want to say anything, feel free to do so. 
in the meantime, I'm going to read through the comments which we have here. Uh, it's just not showing the things in chronological order. And I don't know why Twitter was, was made this way. So if you guys have any additional questions, feel free to drop them anytime. I'm going to answer anything you guys want to know. Okay, there we have something. Okay, Mario's asking, did I understand correctly that the first customer should be found on the internet and not physically by offering services and trying to create real contacts? You know, it really, it really depends on your personality. Like, if you are someone who is extroverted, then you might initially have an easier time getting people to say yes to you in person. And even if you're introverted, you know, by going through the painful process of doing cold calls and, and by, by showing up in someone's business and asking them if you could redo their website and so on, that's a good learning experience. But, you know, for the sake of getting your first client as quickly as possible, I think that's a waste of time. I think, uh, yeah, if we talk about efficiency, then do it online. Just go somewhere where the demand is already existing and where it's um, out of balance in your favor. If you want to go through the experience of becoming a, a better salesperson, then you know maybe take one month and go to five businesses each day and talk to the business owner and, and get a hang for that through doing that. And what's easy to sell in person is, uh, for example, websites or SEO. But I mean, the, the success rate you're going to have is probably going to be, you know, diminishing. And then if you never get a lot, if you never get around to actually doing the work, then, you know, you're, you're just wasting your time bashing your head against the wall. And it's not really going to spark too much uh, of the growth you need. And it's not going to even let you get started with the actual work. And you know when you get on, when you get started online and you 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 get your first clients through a free, freelancing platform many times these guys want to speak to you first and maybe that that's a that's a good point to mention so when you get on on one of the freelancing platforms like quite quite a lot of times especially when you don't have any reviews these guys want to get on a zoom call with you and that's really really good because that's going to get you the benefits of selling to someone in person without actually having to leave your house and, you know, losing time driving there and driving back and waiting for them and so on. Like it makes everything super efficient. So you can have 10 of those calls in one single day where seeing 10 people in person per day, that might be quite challenging. So in my opinion, just start online. Eventually you don't want to be location dependent anyways. So, you know, why start by changing yourself to to a certain location initially initially so let me see okay i don't know the order in which these questions show up is uh, fa fascinating so um 
So we have another one from Mike. I've been wondering too long about what I want to do in terms of interest, passion, but instead I should just do whatever the market demands. Thank you for your mentorship you provide. Yeah, no worries at all. And my, my absolute pleasure. Like this actually was one of the biggest learnings for me. You know, I, I was doing my preparation in preparing on how to create websites and how to do SEO. And there's still quite a good chunk of demand for that. But there's a lot more demand for some more specific and novel things on those freelancing platforms. And then once you see where the demand actually lies, then you can adjust your offer. And again, since most of you don't know anything yet anyways, you know you can just pick anything where the market shows you the highest uh, probability for you to actually uh, be in demand later on. And you know the, the, the fun thing is, whatever is in super high demand, that's actually going to become quite enjoyable to do because you don't have to do a lot of selling for what you offer. Like even if you have utmost passion for what you're selling, if, if the selling process is an absolute pain in the ass, that thing makes the entire process of what you then eventually deliver much less enjoyable because you know as soon as you're done delivering, then it's going to go back to selling someone on something they might not want. And then it's just not going to be as enjoyable. Whereas if you have something which is in super high demand and people are eventually literally begging you for them to do the work, then, you know, whatever you do can be quite enjoyable. Especially when I talk about demand, that actually reflects the money you're making, right? If you're in high demand, that also means you can charge outrageous amounts of money for uh, these guys to pay you. And then again, the the way of how well you sell will dictate how much money you eventually can make. Um, I'm, I, was, I wasn't one of the, the best paid freelancers on, on Upwork because I did the best job. I was one of the best paid freelancers because I sold my services the best. It coincidentally happened that I also did the best job possible. But that was not the reason why I was was making so much money. There was there were other good guys on there, who probably uh, you know did a similar good job as me, but they may maybe were making one fifth of the money I was charging. So it it always comes down to um, how well how well you can sell, and then you know selling is not a bad thing. Like if you sell someone really really well, then they will be infinitely more happy to have you work for them than if they hire someone who didn't sell them right because then even while they work for them they will have objections all along the way they will be troubled they will be concerned about them actually doing the right thing and then you know they will follow up with them and they will lose a lot of their mental capacity they will stress over the new person they hired and they will be in a very bad position not because of the money they are paying them but because the guy hasn't instilled them with enough confidence for them to just hire the person and then move on and, and go back on focusing on their business. And that's also something which is very interesting to, um, to see develop throughout your, your own career, where initially you will notice people are going to have a, a tremendous amount of objections all of the time. You know, they will ask you, and, and I'm not trying to um, you know, uh, make this a self-fulfilling prophecy. You might start out and no one might have any objections. But don't be surprised if people have a bunch of objections like why are you doing this and how are you going to do this and 
can you guarantee me that it's going to pay off? And they will have all kinds of questions. And then once you have established a track record, no one is going to ask you anything. They just want you to know how much do you charge? When can you start? That's all they want to know. And that's when things become really fun because now you can dictate the terms, you can dictate the price and you can pick and choose who you want to work with. And, you know, whenever I came across someone who I, I didn't really like too much, I just charged them three times as much. And then if they said no, okay, I didn't have to work with someone I didn't like. If they said yes, I made a shit ton of money. So to me, it was always a win-win. But you know, it's quite a fun thing to do. And then eventually I, I turned down everyone because I had enough clients. I had my employees. And, uh, you know, I had a, quite a, a lot of clients who were growing very, very quickly. So I needed my, my resources for them. But yeah, overall, it's it's really, really a super fulfilling a fulfilling thing to do in all aspects because I I also became personal friends with many of my clients. I met them in real life. You know, some of my clients they flew out to meet me in in London, and um, yeah, it's just a super enjoyable thing. And then the success which you would create for those clients, you know, and you know, it gets quite scary when you think about this, but some of my clients, they started with nothing and then they had a, a million dollar company and, you know, from the profits, they paid their own employees. They, they paid, the, you know, they paid for the food on, t on the table for their families. They paid for the Christmas presents. You know, they, eventually there was quite a lot of uh, responsibilities lying in my hands because the, the ads which I was uh, driving for those companies were pretty much make or break for the entire business, right? So you had to make sure that everything was on point always. And then there's always, always some um, some random stuff coming up. Like if you're selling on Amazon, for example, you are 100% dependent on the platform. And when the platform changes anything in their algorithm or if they decide to shut something down randomly or if they make a mistake and they all of a sudden can't allocate the stock you just shipped in, you know, there can be a significant amount of financial damage which these guys then carry and amazon does not care whatsoever like they will take weeks before they do any research into where that container actually disappeared and why that stock didn't get checked in and so on that's why i'm telling you like dealing with physical products i would rather jump off a bridge than deal with the headache that comes along with that and on that happy note uh christian <laughs> let me know if you are still there Yes, sir. Right here. Okay. Apologies for the long wait. I uh, maybe I should have told you beforehand that, uh, but I wasn't really sure how much how long the business uh, aspect of today's alpha hour is going to take up. Um, but no, thank I've you been for learning a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for still being here, Christian. Uh, I know we have the intentions of finishing the discussing the shark test today. So uh, how about we, we go uh, along with that? Okay, sounds great. Um, so I guess we'll just start with the, the next question. So uh, last time we went through um, the, the general pieces of the Hexaco test. So now um, we'll go through the questions in the shark test uh, that came from that test. Um, so the first one is when working, I often set ambitious goals for myself. Yes, and it's anywhere from strongly disagree to strongly agree. So um, 
I would assume that, you know, just based on what we've, we've talked about in uh, VVV so frequently about the, the need to set 10 X and then a hundred X goals, that this is something that you need to <laughs> really take to heart and, and always set ambitious goals for yourself. Correct. Because what does it tell you if someone says, uh, sets low goals for themselves? Probably that they're, they're lazy or they're, uh, not wanting to, they're afraid of failure. Uh, and they're afraid of change. Yeah. And if you want to hire someone, do you want to hire someone who has huge goals for themselves or do you want to hire someone who has low goals for themselves? You definitely want to hire somebody with, uh, with the highest goals because that's you want them to deliver beyond your expectation not beneath it <laughs> yeah and also in, you know in reality someone who has high standards high, who can think big they will outperform the guy who who can only think small any day of the week yeah that makes total sense um and it's something that has been really taught through several of the the lessons that we've done about i mean really each of the the folks that we have studied has had, you know, uh, I know uh, from a very early on in the academy, you talked about world changing goals. You know, you really need to have something bigger than yourself. Um, and so that's, that's been something that we've really come back to time and time again. Yeah. And maybe world changing, maybe that wasn't the best choice of words because it, it can also mean changing someone else's world. You know, there's right. a lot of there's a lot of people doing passionate work uh, in some third world countries to um, improve the conditions for for you know a certain parts of the population there, and you know that might not change the world as a whole. Like you're not disrupting the entire industry of something, but you're changing the world of good people. And I think that that's what everyone should aim for. Like try to change the world in a positive way of as many people as possible, and then you're probably going to live a pretty fulfilled life. Yeah. So, so fame is not necessarily the measure of whether the, the, the change is impactful. No, um, no, but no, not for sure. Not, but it's quite difficult if no one knows you, like it's, if there's no attention for what you do, it's quite difficult to do it. Yeah. That's a good point too. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the size of the impact across the globe, more so a big impact locally might be um, might be uh, just as important. Is that kind of what you're... Yeah, you know, the thing, how, how I think of the world is that everyone has his and her part to contribute to making the world a better place. And everyone, you know, we have to be realistic. No one else is, is born on, on Einstein, right? There, there's different levels to EQ, IQ, and to the different capabilities of creativity and discipline and so on. Like everyone has their limits to, to what they can endure and, and to what they can actually um, deliver. And everyone has their own appetite for imbalance in their life. You know, some people want to spend more time with their children, for example, and maybe the whole purpose is changing the world of their kids to the better. You know, and that's fine yeah. too, <clears throat> because it's also contributing to society to a, to a degree. So it, it doesn't mean 
you don't have to think that you have to like change the world of a million people or you have to, you know, to, to change an industry or whatever, like whatever is the thing which fulfills you the most and which is big enough for you to become uncomfortable. That, that's that's what, how I would measure it. As long as you get some slight discomfort by making that your goal, then it's probably something which is big enough for you to, to wanting to pursue it. Because if the goal makes you completely comfortable, that also means there's no excitement in actually pursuing it. And that means, you know, sooner or later you're going to probably slag off because it's not something which is going to keep you excited. Yeah, no, I think um, that's very true in the in the Tiger homework, right? Like Earl was not the one that was breaking records, but he he poured all of his energy for years into um, mentoring his child who then was able to, to change the world. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, that balance of making it ambitious. And many people underestimate what a crucial role it played that Tiger Woods was the, the first black guy to play in many of those, uh, golf clubs. Like they've never seen or allowed any black man to actually be on the, on the grass and play golf and then all of a sudden you have this black guy come in and that immensely impacted the perception of black people in certain maybe even in the most important circles in america yeah and, absolutely. and, and all of that just because one guy believed in his son right one guy was crazy enough to think okay my son is and i don't, I don't remember exactly when he started my son is four years old and he seems interested in golf, so now he must be the next world superstar in golf. There never has been a black superstar before, but he must be the one. It's, it's fucking outrageous to think that, but he, he made it a reality. And he only made it a reality because of his pure willpower. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next question is, I rarely express my opinions in group meetings. Um, and I think this is something we've touched on several times as well in, in various aspects. Um, one being willing to speak up for yourself um, because no one else is going to Two, um, having enough faith in yourself and, and being willing to face the discomfort of speaking out because that can uh, be difficult. Um, but also having that, that energy and, and really, um, uh, building that to where you uh, you want to put forward um, what it is you believe is really important and, and being able to hear what others say too I, th I think the the contrast to this is is also true which is um, being able to take uh, criticism or, or strong opinions uh, well that's a little bit more uh, that needs a little bit more explanation to answer that part of the statement because being we are teaching people in VVV how to be an outlier and being an outlier also right. means not listening to anyone because everyone else is wrong if you're an outlier unless you're listening <laughs> to the other outliers so it's like you know usually the, the the super successful people like Earl or Steve Jobs or uh, Warren Buffett they don't listen to anyone right so you know the the thing about listening and yeah. making critique yeah you need to have some um capability or willingness to take on critique but you have to be super selective who you listen to 
Like most of the time, you're probably yeah. better off not listening to anyone. So you need a finely tuned filter <laughs> to let through the things that will be of benefit. Yeah, I mean, uh, for most you of the and, guys, and to most block of the, guys, the things that are useless. Most of the guys listening, they don't have the right circle of friends around them, or they are not in the right socioeconomic environment. So your best bet is to not listen to anyone. Like you can't go wrong not listening to anyone. Just listen to the few guys who know. Um, just listen to the few guys who you see for sure are living the life you want and they got to the life you want by doing the things you want to do. Meaning don't listen to a guru who only got the money by being a guru, but listen to the guy who's teaching you about business who actually became rich by having that business. No, that makes sense. Because, um, and you've talked about this a lot too, like catering that group, like you are the, the sum of the, is it the four or the five people you spend the most five. time with? Yeah, five. So um, you have to, if you're going to listen, you have to be surrounded by people who are likely to be trying to build you up rather than feeding into the crab effect. Great. And that question, by the way, measures social self-esteem. Yeah, okay. And, and social Perfect. self-esteem is something which very, very few people have. Like a lot of people can act and there's a big difference in acting confident and actually having self-esteem. It's a huge difference. There. But many people can act confident, but they actually have no social self-esteem. Like most people get weak knees when they are in front of an audience and they have to talk about something they don't know anything about. Like, and that's where social self-esteem comes into play, where, you know, how you behave and how confident you are in what you're going to do is not going to change no, no matter if there's an audience watching or if you're against the crowd. And that's different than extroversion, right? Because there's one is uh, just getting energy of... from speaking or is it similar? Well, you mean, you mean extroversion uh, being extroverted or yes. the, the, the metric extroversion in the hexaco test? Uh, no, no, I mean uh, the more general, the first you mentioned. The, okay, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. being extroverted. Uh, no, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think extroverted people, they score higher uh, on that score, on that metric by default, because it also, to okay. a certain degree, measures whether or not you're being extroverted. Makes sense. So... But the social but the way, uh, self-esteem needs to have a basis behind it, um, you would say. Yeah, but, you know, whether or not you're being, whether or not you're an extrovert, that's a choice and that's social conditioning. No one is born an introvert. You become an introvert through your parents, through your socioeconomic environment, through your life experiences. You speak up at school once and then your answer's wrong and everyone is laughing at you. Now you're an introvert gotcha. because you're not dealing with the situation the appropriate way. And then you get stuck in the behavior of a child. And then for the rest of your life, you're going to be labeled an introvert when in reality, all you do is, is you know, have some, uh, some trauma in your childhood, which was significant enough to, to brand you for the rest of your life. And then if you actually identify that and if you work on it, then you, you, you can reverse that. But, you know, anyone labeling themselves as an introvert, usually they either had some trauma 
or they are just low energy, lazy, and prefer to stay comfortable. Because because I am an introvert. I I don't like. I don't like people. I don't like to be surrounded by people. I like being at my PC, not shaking anyone's hand and doing my own thing. But, you know, that that's not very um, suitable for what you want to do, right? So I make the conscious right. decision of um, exerting my energy, being more outgoing and, you know, flying people into Marbella, meeting them in person because I know that's much more impactful. And then once you do it, you, 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 you know, you will be surprised that then you notice, Hey, I'm actually quite enjoying being, being around people. I'm actually enjoying the human side of everything. And then, you know, the, you branding yourself as an introvert and saying the things I just said, you know, all of these things might not even be true. There's just, just some belief system, which you have held onto, which you, told yourself or which maybe you know your teachers told you initially or maybe your parents and then that's becoming a reality although it's not even true right yeah absolutely um the next question is i sometimes can't help worrying about little things um and i know this is something you talked about uh on the uh, chat with daniel about the importance of focusing on the big picture and not getting uh, lost in, in the weeds. Is that kind of what this uh, question is going at? Yeah. You know, um, oh, that's a good quote. Let me think how it goes. Uh, I can't pull it together, but there's one from Dan Pena, which is really good uh, in that regard. It, it, more, it more or less means, like, if you worry about the small things, you're never going to get anywhere. And, and that's very true. Like, you see, if you get into uh, a normal pub or a normal restaurant and you, you have a bunch of normal people sitting around the table... <laughs> Uh, it's probably most of the conversations you guys have with your friends. Like they all complain about something. They all are worried about some small things like um, my colleague said this or my neighbor did this or oh, I don't know how to pay for the next holidays. Like everyone is always worried about the, the small things. And as long as you're being worried about these things, you're never going to amount to anything. And your standards are always going to be low. Your expectations of yourself are always going to be low. If I, by accident, because I don't ha hang around with, with normal people, if I'm by accident sitting in a restaurant and I'm sitting too close to one of the other tables and I hear some of the normal people's conversations, I literally want to puke because I just cannot comprehend how people can even entertain talking about meaningless garbage, like what someone else said or what happened at work or I don't know, you know, uh, how to pay for the flight for my next holidays or whatever it is. Like all of it is complete nonsense. So the sooner you start ignoring all the garbage most people worry about, that's when you will see drastic changes in your thinking and you're getting rid of all the limitations which hold you back. And overall, you're just going to have a much more pleasant life if you don't worry about the small things. And I understand, you know, you might be financially pressured or you know financially impeded by what you can actually ignore like if you don't have money yeah you have to worry about paying the rent 
I understand. I was in the exact same situation. Initially, I had 10 bucks per day to spend on food. And you know, there's not that much <laughs> which you can buy for three meals with 10 bucks. So that, that can be quite a, a challenge. And then, yeah, you might be forced to worry about some of the smaller stuff. But you can greatly limit the amount of things you're being worried. Like worry about the essentials until you're working your ass off and make, you know, allow yourself the luxury to then not be worried about it anymore. You still there, Christian? Okay, I think we lost her. Uh, oh, there he is. Okay, Christian, you good? Somehow got kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, so... Uh, I uh, and I was just going to say I, I think you really got to that in some of the comments um, about business in uh, Discord because uh, folks were asking questions that were kind of where what kind of entity do I need to and how much will it cost in different places and I know um, you were saying no first start making money then start worrying about. Um, you know, the small stuff. And obviously that's not the same thing you're talking about that are like the, the frivolities in life, but, but it still, I think, um, belongs in the same category of, of worrying about the big picture first and, and then the details follow. Correct. You know, worrying is like a form of procrastination and some people carry their worries like a badge of honor on their chest. And they will tell you right away, oh my God, I'm so worried about this. Like if someone, if some of my friends would come to me like that, I would tell them to fuck off and never talk to me again. I'm not interested in what you're worried about. <laughs> Deal with your shit on your own. And the same goes for me. Like I'm not going to them, oh my God, I'm so worried about this. Like the only time I come to them or they come to me is when they are looking for an, a solution. They don't tell me what they're worried about. They tell me, hey, I need to do this, how I can do this. Uh, I go to them and tell them, hey, this is what I want to do. What do you think about doing this? Uh, what would you do differently? I never come to them and tell them, oh, my God, I'm so worried, da, da, da. Like, these conversations just don't happen when you, uh, once you surround yourself by the right people. Yeah, and, and one of the things that um, was taught at the IRL event, um, you know, relating to relationships that I'd never thought about is is not complaining about what you're, worrying about with with your spouse like they don't want to hear that you're worrying about things they want to know that you've got it handled and that um you know you're you know the uh the path forward so um that's been a a, a huge addition in my life too yeah and that's going to make you know it's going to make your significant other a lot more peaceful and a lot more happy and it's also going to protect your children from the worried energy of your wife, for example. Because yeah, they absolutely. will, without, um, without So the next talk... question um, oh, sorry. harkens a little bit back to the uh, Machiavellianism, but I think in this uh, case is talking about greed. Um, it is, if I knew that I could never get caught, I would be willing to steal a million dollars. 
Um, and I think this really hits on something that uh, Ahmed uh, talked about in in his um, in in y'all's discussion, where he said, you know, people see the the money that he has in the bag, or or even just know he has money, and it changes who they are, and that that really lets him know what type of person that is, um, if they will change their. Uh, you know, morality for money. But I know you also hit on this in an, in an earlier um, alpha hour about those who haven't had great money before that, you know, it's hard to know what someone might do when uh, faced with a question like this until you've really uh, <laughs> had money and it, it isn't as impactful to you. So I sort of wanted to hear about your, uh, your reflections on this one. Sure. Do you see him a Christian? Christian, let me know if you can still hear me or if you guys can still hear me in general. Okay, if anyone can hear me, please leave a comment briefly to confirm. And Christian, if you can hear me, please also let me know. Can you hear me, Christian? Okay, so everyone can hear me, but Christian doesn't seem to hear me. Or maybe I'm not hearing him. Okay, so what do we do now? <laughs> we can't hear each other. Okay, guys, and we might just have to call it a day and catch up on the next one because we are over time now anyways. And if you're now running into technical difficulties, then I would say that we just um, catch up next time because I just... Yeah, everyone can hear me, but I can't hear Christian for some reason. And I'm not sure if he can hear me. So, yeah, then I would say, guys, um, no, he, he can't hear me. He's, he's messaging me and I can't hear him. Okay, then we will just call it there. Okay, so I messaged Christian now, so he knows uh, that we're going to roll it up. And yeah, thank you guys for listening in today. We will catch up with the question the next time. And I would be very appreciative if you guys could leave a like and the retweet for us. And you will also see me live on a different podcast on Thursday. I'm going to be guest on one of my friend's German YouTube channel. So the entire thing is going to be live, but it's going to be in German. So any of the German audience which we have, you guys are very welcome to listen in. I'm going to drop the announcement. Or I'm going to drop the event in our server soon. I'm not going to make a separate announcement, but you guys are going to see where it's going to happen, which YouTube channel and so on. And once the entire thing is done, we're going to 
make it available with English subtitles. But that might take a while because it's probably going to be a huge uh, effort to add subtitles to the whole thing in a different language. But uh, we're going to make it happen and then you guys are going to get access as well. And with that being said, thank you once again for listening in today. Thank you, Christian, very much for uh, waiting and for supporting us with the, with the questions and going through the shark test. And I hope you guys have some more uh, tangible and actionable steps on how to start your own business. And if there's any follow-up questions, please let me know. If you need any links to um, resources, then also let me know. I, I can't post any uh, download links, but I, I can surely look up the name of the courses and um, maybe post them on my Twitter or somewhere so you guys have an easy time uh, searching for them. So thank you once again, guys. Looking forward to seeing you guys starting your first businesses, making the first money as a freelancer, and having your first success stories. Thank you once again, and talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy, or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.